Welcome to episode three of Armchair Donkeys. The Donkeys started off slow last week. Collectively, we were one and six on college football this past weekend. No real blood to talk about, though. Bob, you and I both finished uh, the week one game under 500. Chez, you started out cold in some close games last week. Then you hit a four-team overs parlay at plus 12.48 on Sunday. That had to have made your week. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, we've been, we're winning uh, pretty continuously. I'd say every three or four days. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I'm the kind of degenerate gambler that it was betting on baseball last night. <laughs> I put 400 bucks on the three teams that won. So that was nice. Uh, so, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, look, you can't make any money if you don't have any balls. So, you know, I, I bet with balls and some knowledge, but I don't know shit about baseball. I can't even see left, and I'm still making fucking money. So <laughs> you missed one. for rolling. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Uh, last week, you called me out for betting with my heart, so I got to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you have any guys playing at Stanford? Two of them. Do you have anybody playing at LSU? One of them. Anybody at Nebraska? Uh, four. But I've also got four kids at Michigan. Okay. And what about Texas and Penn State? Uh, n- nobody at Texas, two at Oklahoma. Penn State, no, but we've got the backup quarterback at Iowa as one of our guys. So none of those none of those bets were heart bets? No. Okay, fair enough. We, we've, got, we've got Dungeon Family everywhere, brother. I can't bet with my heart. I only bet with my heart with CU. And <laughs> why would I put money on them? I mean, what the fuck? How's that work out for you? <laughs> Bad. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that Penn State game real quick. They were up 17-3 and had complete control in that game. Penn State's QB goes down late in the second quarter, and their backup QB is thrust into the action. Now, I don't care how much noise you pump into practice. There's nothing you can do to falsely create that kind of adrenaline in a top-five matchup. I don't think I've ever seen that many false starts in a college football game. Bob, let me ask you, as a former QB, just how big of a factor is that crowd noise for a kid coming to that game who's on the sidelines thinking he's probably not going to play today? I mean, it's huge, especially in a place like Iowa. I mean, it's a, you know, I've never played there, but I've been there. It's a difficult place to play. It's a great atmosphere. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is you got all these kids stuck in the shotgun and there's noise and the linemen can't hear. They're trying to clap to make it work. You know, when you get a kid in the game who hasn't been in the situation before, put his ass under center, go on first sound. Don't, don't make anything difficult for everybody, right? There's there's simple solutions for this and Penn state just, uh, there's an easy answer and they, for whatever reason, decided not to do it, but no, it's a, it's a hell of a situation to walk into when sure you're always ready to play. Right. But the lights come on and it's like, Oh shit. It, it, now it is time to play and you got to show up and you got to be ready. Why the claps? Like, is it just me or is that the dumbest, most annoying shit you've seen? Like I hate that more than I hate the targeting rule. And the Nebraska game, Martinez, the entire game. Like, yo, snap the fucking ball already. <laughs> what, what are they saying in the huddle? We're on one clap, two claps? No, I mean, he claps, he claps like 12 times. I'm like, good Lord in heaven, this is not a golf game. There's got to be like a, as many claps as he wants, and then he does something to reset it, you know, and then they go on the next one. And I, don't I, know, I wonder I mean. why everybody's jumping off sides. Yeah, he can't be, yeah. hey, Chez, it's on the, le- the 11th it's clap. On the 11th and you're clap, like, one, two, two three. three. Go. <laughs> Uh, if you guys can find a line on uh, that punter to win the Ray Guy Award, hammer that shit because that kid for Iowa is an absolute weapon. I've never seen anyone put backspin on the ball like that. I mean, how many times did they have Penn State inside the five-yard line? That was uh, This guy's definitely going to be playing on Sundays. You can put money on the Ray Guy Award. Only you would know some shit like that. <laughs> I said fuck, if fuck you – over under on Iowa's punter winning the Ray <laughs> If you can find a line on it. Now, you know, my luck sucked all weekend. I lost the QB in the Penn State game. The Bengals and the Colts, Colts cost me two bets, collectively missing four game-winning game field goals and an extra point. On a positive note, as awful as I've been this year, I'm 4-0 against the spread on Monday Night Football. That said, sharp bettors, uh, the sports gamblers who win and get cut off by Vegas typically aren't betting primetime games. They look for the games that fly under the radar, the games with less eyeballs on them, attract fewer better betters, and therefore handicappers dedicate less time to those games. 
So a piece of advice for you guys. If you want to gain an advantage on the book, pay attention to what is going on in the lesser known leagues and conferences. With that, let's jump to the Mountain West Conference in a game that I really like this week. Colorado State is two and three at the two and four New Mexico Lobos on Saturday. Colorado State was competitive against Iowa two weeks ago, and they buried San Jose State last weekend. What are your thoughts on this CSU team competing in the Mountain West this year, Chez? Uh, Colorado State needs a dub. New Mexico's not very good. Um, <clears throat> they haven't been good in a long, long time, if ever. So they're going to New Mexico, which is, you know, it's like playing in a field. There's nobody there. So <laughs> they're going to have to they're going to have to be jived up to go down there and play and win a football game, which they should. I, I don't really care if the number's 40 in this game, I probably would take the, you know, plus 40 on, on, uh, on CSU. I, New Mexico could literally get shut out. They're that bad on offense with that triple option and the spread that they try and run. So, um, CSU is better than I thought they were, but I keep hearing this like narrative that, if Colorado and Colorado State played right now, that CU would somehow get their ass kicked, and that kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I don't know if we're that bad yet, but uh, I, I anticipate CSU will mop New Mexico in Albuquerque. Yeah, I like the way Colorado State's played in their last two games. Colorado State has 13 super, C, uh, su- super COVID seniors. New Mexico has 14 super seniors and a transfer, transfer portal starting QB from Kentucky who's a question mark to play in this game. I think CSU covers the nine and a half easily in Albuquerque in this one. Now, speaking of super seniors, let's switch gears a little bit today and chat college football. Now, the politics in today's game are much different than the game we played. This year, we have COVID super seniors. Arizona State with 14 of them, the most in the Pac-12 and currently in first place in the Pac-12 South. UCLA not far behind them in the South, off to a four and two start this season, picked up eight quality players in the transfer portal this year. Now, all these things have changed the landscape of college football significantly. And my thoughts are that it's better for the player, especially for someone who doesn't feel like he's getting a fair shake. Bob, you played at Miami, Ohio and Colorado. What are your thoughts on all of this? I, I mean, I'm going to go back to the simplest thing ever, right? You could go choose to play somewhere for a coach. And the next day that coach can get up and leave. And back when we played, we had we couldn't do anything about it. If you wanted to transfer, you're going to have to sit out a year. You know, there was nothing that was going on. I think it's fair to these kids that they can go into the transfer portal whenever they want, if they're not happy. And they deserve to be able to have the extra year because of, you know, the COVID situation last season. Um, I mean, for me, like I said, it's real simple. If your coach can get up and walk for a better deal, you should be able to get up and walk for a better deal if you feel like that's in your best interest. I I hear you on that. Chez, is someone who works directly with these kids, with the transfer portal in place and the potential for NIL deals, players now have the ability to take advantage of more than one collegiate market to boost their Instagram following and increase their NIL earnings potential. We saw what it did for Mac McClung and College Hoops, who played at both Georgetown and Texas Tech. I won't be surprised if we see something similar to that with a with a five-star quarterback somewhere in the near future. And I'm a little torn here because I think the players are long overdue for compensation. But I don't like how this promotes a narcissistic mentality, which I think overshadows the spirit of team and collegiate sports. Curious what your thoughts are on this and and how you plan to coach your players up here. Uh, Well, in my opinion, any money you can make while your earning potential is high, you should make. And the fact that like the three of us were at Colorado during a very prosperous period in that university's history and we got $700 stipend checks as a joke. So <clears throat> I advise my guys to get as much money as they possibly can at every turn in this game and never feel bad about it. And I don't care if you're endorsing, you know, lollipop, lollipop fucking cherry covered condoms. Okay. I don't give a shit. If they're <laughs> going to pay you to endorse it. This is the best tasting lollipop fucking cherry condom in history. Not that I would know, of course. But like, go buy yours at 7-Eleven. So I, I I personally think that if they're not trying to be businessmen right now, then the they will be players. And guess who gets played by football? The fucking players do. So if you want to continue to get played by this game, you know, keep acting like you're you're not 
in a business and keep acting like it's a hobby and it'll play you. And the guys who understand that any money is good money. I don't care if you're getting $10 from a company to post, if you're getting $1,000 from a company to post, or if you're DJ Alphabet from Clemson, the quarterback, and you're on Dr. Pepper commercials. <clears throat> do do you guys think, Bob, do you think it's it's going to, like, is there any downside to it with a me-first mentality that's being installed into these guys? Fuck no. I don't think so on the player side. I think, you know, in my opinion, I think it's going to change the landscape of college football because the schools that have the most money, the most boosters, the, the most people that can connect these kids to the, the bigger dollar amount, that's where they're going to choose to go to school. I mean, and it if, seems if, <coughs> go ahead. I was, you know, I mean, look at the kid at Alabama before he even stepped on the field. So, you know, if a kid comes from something where he needs money, his family needs money, he needs to help others out. The schools and the universities that have the deepest pockets, the deepest donors, that's those are going to be the better teams because they're going to start getting the best players. Verbatim, from Coach Wilson's mouth three months ago in his office when we were sitting there talking recruits and football, and you guys both know Coach Wilson's like a, a second father to me. Man tells me the truth. If we're not going to need guys to recruit in two or three years when this is solidified and done. We're just going to have packages put together to go recruit kids. So, you know, like Crocs is a Boulder company. And name some other, like, Boulder, Denver-based companies. Just three of them. Crocs, what? Vale Resorts. Vale Resorts and something else. Whatever. Fucking Popeye's Chicken, okay? They're not the best from Colorado, I'm just saying. Like, say those are three Denver-based companies that want to really donate to the University of Colorado and give back. Well, they're just going to put together compensation packages for these kids and say, hey, yo, don't go to USC just because of tradition and shit. Come here. We'll break you, you off. You don't think it. USC is going to be you, able to put USC together USC is going to have a better package. Packages? Their package is going to be way better. I'm not talking specifically about Colorado. I'm saying they're not going to need guys that are just fucking relationship recruiters anymore. I'm not specifically talking about CU. Yeah. I'm using SC. Yeah. Example. Right. I'm saying this, <clears throat> at some point, whichever school has the bigger package, and I disagree that SC will have a better package. Colorado could have, you could have tiers of packages that you have for the kind of recruit you're looking for. So you might, you might have 10 max fucking contract scholarships you can give to a kid that, that can equate to $500,000 or some shit for all we know. I mean, it's not like we're spending the money, so who gives a fuck how much it is? I'm saying that those are going. that's the way that teams are going to be competing for recruits in the future, which in turn puts it back on real coaching. So it becomes even more like the NFL, where if you can't develop talent, if you can't relate to the kid and get him to play hard, and you can't get him to put down the fucking Jack Daniels and the dope and actually can commit in college, if you can't do that, you, you won't have a job anymore in, the, in college football. So the the days of, like, the that guy's just around because he knows all the high school coaches and shit, those days are gone. You better be able to put money on the table and develop talent or you will be a bottom feeder in the most prosperous time in college football. And unfortunately, that's where we are, if you do want to talk about CU, that we're fucking bottom feeders. Moving on, uh, we're going to give you guys a couple more college plays today. Bob, you got Alabama at seven or, or as a seventeen-point favorite headed into Starksville to play Mississippi State. The over/under in this one is fifty-seven and a half. Coming off of a big loss uh, against A&M, who do you like in this game? Uh, for my college game, I like Alabama, um, and I don't really have a lot of reasons or a lot of things to say about it. They came off a tough loss against A&M. Nick Saban is going to have that team ready. I don't care that it's in Starkville. I don't care that it's at Mississippi State. If this would have been 28, I would take it. I think they are going to blow the doors off of Mississippi State after what happened to them last weekend. Mike Leach can't compete with Nick Saban's defense. No. It's, it, Mike Leach's cute, like, dink and dunk, Pac-12 bullshit, uh, Lubbock and Pullman fucking offenses. Yeah. That shit doesn't work in Starksville. You better get tough and mean and run vertically, and they don't do that shit. So I agree. I, I think Alabama blows the absolute doors off Mississippi State. How do we how do we feel about that over 57 and a half? Leach gonna put up any points or are they gonna get it, shut so out? I guess the question is, does Alabama jump on them? And then, you know, how how pissed off is Nick Saban? If Nick Saban is 
you know, cool, we jumped on Miami and we don't need to beat them by 60 like they could have. And I took the over in that game and it was a point short to open the season, Alabama-Miami. And Nick Saban's cool and he's just trying to be a cool guy coach and not hammer his buddy, then okay. But if he's like, fuck Mike Leach and fuck Mississippi State and everyone's a target right now, we have to we have to what? What does Alabama have to do to get back in the conversation to call football playoff? They blow people out. Exactly. They have to win decisively and blow people out. 57 seems like a big number until you put, I would guess the final of this game is like 52-21. I like, I like it. I, li- I like the over. I think that um, it could be 40 know, to nothing and then end up like 52-21. It's, it's going to get some garbage touchdowns. Yeah, it's not yeah. like Mike Leach is going to slow that game down either. Uh, Chez, uh, UCF is uh, plus 21 at Cincinnati on Saturday. What are we thinking in that game? I'm taking UCF to plus 21. I think that Malzahn and that team, that's a lot of points for a a team that's – I'm not saying they're good right now. I'm saying they've got a lot of pride in the room and a lot of super seniors, and they're trying to figure out Gus Malzahn's complicated, in my opinion, remedial offense – that really does a lot of crossing routes and like digs and not a lot of shots that are just based on, I mean, that they had Bo Nix for all those years in at Auburn and he couldn't figure out a way to maximize him. He's doing the same thing with the quarterback at UCF. I just don't see UCF and how much pride they have in that program and how good they've been going into Cincinnati. And especially the kids know that they're that big underdog. It's not like when we were playing, I didn't even know what the fucking point spread was in any of the games. I didn't care. Like I, I had no interest in it whatsoever. I would hear like, oh, they're they're favored or they're underdogs. That's about all you heard. Well, now all the kid has to do is jump on his phone and be like, oh, we're 21 point dogs to a, a rival and we're pretty good. And we've got guys in the room that, that are also playing a high level. We've been ranked two since fuck Cincinnati. So I, I have a feeling Cincinnati rolling off a very, very convincing ass kicking win against Temple. Temple, the two years before, had taken Cincinnati to double overtime and lost. And then the the next year, Cincinnati beat them four, like 14-9 to nine in a really ugly game. They took a year off for COVID. And Luke Fickle, the head coach of Cincinnati, made a point to say, look, we got to hammer Temple. This is a team we struggle with. I think you're going to see the same exact thing happen. UCF is going to look at this as an opportunity to go in there. And even if they lose, to show right, hit Desmond Ritter, and get after that those people up front, and they have the personnel that can do it. The 21 points for UCF, I think, is – I'm not saying it's a lock. Cincinnati's pretty fucking good. I personally wouldn't be surprised if UCF wins this game with the craziness we've seen in college football. Every time somebody this year, with the exception of Iowa, and they got lucky because the quarterback got hurt, in my opinion, and Georgia, and we'll see how they do with Kentucky this, this week, everybody else, in my opinion, is not really that good. Everybody, right. everybody's beatable. You you heard you heard the big fella bank that money line, throw something small on it just for the heck of it because it might happen. Uh, let's jump into the NFL. The Bengals are minus three and a half at the Detroit Lions. The over under in this one is forty seven and a half. Joe Burrow's throat injury looks to be a non issue. Trey Wayne, what's that? Fly, Joe. <laughs> what the fuck, man. I sit here and I'm like, fine. All these young quarterbacks need to learn how to slide. Uh, Kyler, you know, Kyler and Lamar don't need to slide. Joe Burrow's soft ass needs to slide. Yeah, slide, slide or get your ass out of bounds because you know you got uh, Lance took a big shot in San Francisco. Daniel Jones took a big shot. Uh, anyways, Bengals have had some issues this year keeping guys healthy in the secondary. For the Detroit Lions, they place All Pro center Frank Ragno on the IR with a season-ending toe injury. He did miss last week's game against the Vikings as well. Quintez Cephas also headed to the IR, who was a big piece of that Lions passing offense. The Lions have been competitive this year at home, with the exception of the first few quarters of the 49ers game. The Jags, like the Lions, are 0-5 this season, but unlike Urban Meyer, I think Dan Campbell is a coach that a team can really rally around. You know, the motion that he showed after last weekend, uh, last weekend's loss, I mean, Man, that that guy wants to be there. Uh, Chez, what do you think of Dan Campbell? You know, Detroit has got to be the toughest place to coach in the league. Yeah, I mean, Detroit is NFL purgatory. I mean, listen, they've wasted more talent 
They've wasted a, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback in Stafford, a first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver in Calvin Johnson, and a first ballot Hall of Fame running back in Barry Sanders, plus like Robert Porsche and God knows how many other people throughout the years. Um, I I would love to play for a guy like Dan Campbell, just not in Detroit. I mean, I, <laughs> man, it's just he could he could be the best damn coach in the world. He's going to get fired eventually because all the all the like rah rah kumbaya let's go bite some fucking kneecaps and crying in the the press conference after your fifth loss i understand it's emotional i get it i don't care that he's crying i fucking cry all the time i cried myself to sleep last night i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) just saying at some point it's going to get played out and they're going to use everything all of his emotion and all of his you know old school rhetoric with the nfl will be exposed and he'll get fired and that sucks but they play hard as shit for that guy they just aren't good they have no talent in the wide receiver core with Cephas gone now it's even more depleted Jared Goff I think Jared Goff could be good if he was if Jared Goff was the Broncos quarterback I think they would be pretty good but Jared Goff is fucking Detroit so it doesn't really matter what he does he and defensively it's the no-name defense although they play hard I'm not sure if they can pull out of the hole, although I wouldn't be surprised if they win this week. They should have beat Minnesota. They should have beat Baltimore. And they were up at halftime against Green Bay, and then Aaron Rodgers just you know did what he does. Um, you know, I, I, I think that Goff has a huge chip on his shoulder. I mean, he took his, he took his team to the Super Bowl three seasons ago, and he gets exiled to Detroit. What's going through Jared Goff's head right now, Bob? What the hell is going on in my life? Probably. Uh, Probably like, what, what can I say about Detroit that I haven't said about? I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously he didn't end up there by choice. He was traded there. Uh, so he's stuck in a situation where, you know, he doesn't have great talent around him. He's in a city that hasn't been good since, or if they have, I, I mean, not in my lifetime that I can really remember. Besides when fat Scott Mitchell left-handed was back there and they were in the playoff <laughs> games somehow. But, um, I mean, but that was 20 some years ago. So, you know, lefty lefty. Yeah, exactly. Um, shit, man. I don't know. I feel sorry for him. I mean, he's, he's good. He's got talent. He can play, but like, like, like Chez said, it's NFL purgatory. It's like where guys go to to die in this league. (laughs) I mean, it is, it sucks. So uh, there, there can't be as much as you want to have, a ton of positivity as a leader and as with your guys and your teammates, like that place has to beat you down after just, a while. Just think about this. Like, just really think about what I'm about to say. They had Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford for a 10 year stretch and they didn't win one playoff game. One, yeah. one playoff game. Calvin Johnson is one of the best physical talents that's ever played the position undoubtedly and he was so burned out from detroit he let them keep like six million bucks he was just like i don't even want the money i'm fucking out of here i mean that that goes to show right there calvin johnson barry sanders both retired in his prime from that organization so if i'm the family i'm I'm gonna make i might want to sell the franchise one day so they can actually win some games I'm going to make a call on this game. Uh, I think Dan Campbell's team rallies around him this week. I don't know that the Lions win, but I like him getting three and a half at home in this one. You know, this season has had more games come down to last second finishes than any season in the history of the NFL by a lot. I don't think that's a coincidence. The NFL lost $4 billion due to COVID in 2020. Underdogs are 44, 34, and 2. Uh, this year against the spread. If you put $100 on every underdog this year, you'd be up 660 bucks. There's not many places in the market right now that you can earn 6X your money. Uh, Bob, you're up on Packers minus four and a half points in Chicago. The over under in this game is 45. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's see. The Bears won a game against the Raiders. Justin Fields completed or had more than one yard passing. So um, Chicago is going to be on fire. Soldier Field will be rocking because they think they have a football team again all of a sudden. But, you know, listen, I, I won't stop riding with Aaron Rodgers. 
uh, and this Packer team. I've actually been pretty impressed with the Packers defense too this year. And I just don't think the bears have a chance to score enough points to keep this within five, especially a division game Packers going on the road in Chicago. I mean, I, I'm leaning right, I'm Packers right now. I, you know, I'm taking road team after road team, but um, I, I think the I think the bears will come out fast just because soldier field and Chicago will be hyped up, but you know, Rodgers will tell them all to relax like he does, and, and they'll – I think they end up blowing the Bears out at the end of this thing. I agree 100%. I just – look, Chicago, they may have something in Justin Fields, and I hope – to be completely honest with you, I hope they do. The more young, talented quarterbacks in the NFL that are quality, the better. I mean, just look at what Tyler Murray and, and Lamar Jackson are doing. So I, I'd like to think that Fields is that guy. Just – <laughs> everything that like every time we talk about Chicago I have to remember that Matt fucking Nagy is their coach and he is terrible he is just it's just bad man I don't care if they do make the playoffs this year he's got to go so they can actually get somebody in there that doesn't sound like a clown every time he fucking talks um, I, yeah. I, think, I think Green Bay hammers Chicago yeah I hope Fields is the real deal because Chicago is one of those cities in the NFL that it, it needs to be good. Oh, yeah. When the Bears are good, then I mean, the NFL's better. It's like when, look, yeah. I don't like the Raiders by any means, but when they're good and relevant, it's just better. I mean, it gives you a team to look at and be like, ah, fuck them. The, the Patriots being shitty now and like not a playoff team, it sucks, man. Everybody likes hating them. Yeah, exactly. Listen, the red BB gun is out in Chicago. QB controversy is over. Bears have the most sacks in the NFL. I like their defense to get to Rodgers, force a couple turnovers to keep this one close and cover the four and a half. Chez, you're up on Arizona at Cleveland. Cardinals are two and a half point dogs. The over-under in this one is 50. All right, hammer the over. They're, they might be at 50 by halftime. Um, you know, I watched every snap of that Charger-Brown game, and I watched every snap of the Arizona 49er game. Arizona 49ers, the under hit the first time this year with the Cardinals. And it's a division game, and 49ers are pretty, pretty good on defense. They knew they had absolutely no room for error starting a rookie quarterback. Um, those two teams know each other really well. San Francisco always goes to Arizona and plays them tight. It shouldn't have been that big of a surprise that, that the game was only 17-10. Now, on the flip side of this, the Turds couldn't stop a nosebleed in the Charger game. And I don't know if it's just because Justin Herbert is such a dude. I mean, holy shit. The the throw on the run, rolling right, off one foot to, to Keenan Allen, that's a toe drag, fuck, it's the art form that is football. That son of a bitch is real. And I, I think Baker and Cleveland have got to figure out a way in the Oklahoma Heisman Bowl here to match Kyler. And Kyler's got to figure out a way to, like, really – using himself and Dan Connor. They've got to figure out a way to run the football con continuously and keep Cleveland off the field because Cleveland is going to hammer the rock in this game. And look, Chandler Jones can play the pass. Great. Just JJ Watt is an unbelievable defender. He's good at penetration and getting up the field, but he is super undisciplined in the run game. And both of them take a lot of chances that open up tons of holes and their run defense has been awful. So, I think that Cleveland's going to try and control the time of possession, hammer the rock with, with Hunt and uh, and Chubb. And look, not only am I taking the over on this, I'm taking the over. I'm taking Arizona to win outright. And I think that uh, DeAndre Hopkins scores, A.J. Green scores, Kareem Hunt scores, and Chubb scores. So That's if a four-teamer. If you want to make some real money on, this, on the game this week, I'm telling you, Arizona-Cleveland with the over – and you look, Cleveland could easily win the game. I just think Arizona and Kyler Murray have a little bit more, and I don't think Baker's going to be able to match Kyler on a playmaking scale as the game goes on. Arizona played shitty last week on on offense. I think they're going to recover from that and have another forty put output. The fifty, like, get on that as fast as possible. That number will go up as the week goes on. And I just, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler also scores. I wouldn't be surprised if Baker scores a touchdown. So. Baker is going to try and do everything humanly possible not to lose this game and outplay Kyler Murray because they roomed together in college. They won the Heisman back-to-back -back at Oklahoma. They're like best friends and shit. And we all know this. All of us know this. 
there you don't do anything harder than either in practice against your boys or game day when you actually get to play somebody you know. I, I, there's nothing I want more than to annihilate the guy that I played with in college or know that is my friend. So I can sit there in Vegas with him and be like, remember that time that I fucking ricocheted your head off the floor? You remember that shit? Yeah, bitch. Or the time that you, the time that the time that I that I broke your ankle. That, yeah, that you time. cut blocking fuck. <laughs> See, every tight end I know, okay, every one of you, even like with the exception of Dan, with the exception of Dan Graham, you're all Dan Graham. You're all a bunch of cut blocking fucking fucks. Okay, all you do is an ankle bite. You have no balls. You can't take anybody high. You need to trade block everything with the tackle. Can't do anything one-on-one. Catch a little seam route, run around, get tackled. It's cute. Tight end. Hey, you had 70 pounds on me. Give me a break. Yeah, I, I think VJ's <laughs> Cardinals defense. I think VJ's Cardinals defense is better than they get credit for so far this year. Uh the the Cleveland's front four, I don't think, is as good as the 49ers front four. I don't think they're gonna harass. I don't think they're I Miles Garrett's great. Miles Garrett is great. I'm out. They have the Miles, best defensive player in football. I, I I agree. He's great, but collectively, as a front four, I don't think Malik that they're Jackson, as good. The one I, of their three techniques. Obadjobi is the, the, balling. The Niners and John Lynch went out and got four guys in the first round on that D line. I I just don't Obadjobi think they're as good. For fucking the Raiders or some shit. He isn't even there anymore. We, I just and DeForest Buckner plays for the Colts. So you've only got two first rounders. Fine. Still. Okay. So you know more about the line than no, I do. I'm just, I, I just, that's, just why, that's why. That's why I'm the. That's why I'm I. That's why I'm the donkey on the show. <laughs> I still think the Cardinals win. I'm not betting against them until they lose. Um, you know. Okay. I, we, you know what? I, I can't wait to see in this game. Actually, to be completely honest with you, is the Miles Garrett Chandler Jones matching too? Because the, the the beauty of this game, in my opinion, is. Unfortunately, Jarvis Landry's out. And I love Jarvis Landry. I love the way he plays. I love how physical he is. I love that you can get him the ball in any circumstance. And he's trying to hit somebody's ass rather than run out of bounds. I love that. Odell Beckham Jr. is not a bad football player. I think him and Baker have awful chemistry. And there's something wrong there. Like I think Baker overthinks getting the ball to Odell and then therefore doesn't get him the fucking rock. But I think Beckham is going to try and outperform Hopkins. And Hopkins is going to try and outperform Beckham. I think Kyler and Baker are going to go back and forth. I you think know, Jim Beckham Jones, hasn't done anything this year. Do you think he's he's how, timeout? How has he, Baker done nothing? They're no, fine. not, not Baker. Beckham. Beckham hasn't done anything he, this year. He he's coming game. off. Of, he's played he, two. He's coming off a knee uh, injury. I don't. Yes. I I don't think he's. He hasn't shown that he's back yet. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying if you look at the the aspect of this game, what really sets it off for me is you have elite competition that isn't going to compete against each other. And all they can do is sit on the bench and go, I have to one that up that. So if, if Beckham makes a play, DeAndre Hopkins has to one up it and vice versa. Every time Kyler makes a play, Mayfield has to one up it and vice versa. Every time fucking Chandler Jones sacks the quarterback or J.J. Watt makes a play, well, then Malik Jackson or Clowney or Miles Garrett need to make a play. And I, I just – that, in my opinion, that's what drives great games. That's what the Charger game last week with Chargers and Browns, that's exactly what it was. Whoever has the ball last is probably going to win, and that's not the case because the Browns had it last and failed, uh, failed on a Hail Mary, but Herbert and Mayfield, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Both the Miles Garrett, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, the whole fucking game. So I don't think that I, – there, I don't see any way in hell – that the National Football League, and remember how we talk about this all the time, will allow this game to be 17-13. So you're nope. loving the over 40 more than anything else. Oh, my God. Or over 50, I'm sorry. I, I put the fucking mortgage on over 50 on this one. Okay, we've got Rams going to New York on Sunday. Rams are 10.5-point favorites uh, against the Giants. The over-under in this game is 47.5. The Giants, I didn't think – were very good before they lost half their team last weekend. You know, I think the Rams are about to go on a five or six game win streak. Ten and a half is a lot on the road, but I do think it's justified here. Uh, you know, I'm buying the Rams to minus 10 early in the week. I think this line's going to move. Daniel Jones, we still don't know if he's going to play. Am I missing anything here, boys? Uh, Bob? 
I, I don't think so. Uh, I think you got two teams going in completely opposite directions. Um, the Giants being beat up, the Rams being as talented as they are. Uh, I don't think it's a crazy number either, putting 10 on the, on the spread on this one. Well, I guess my big question would be, who in the hell is going to block everybody for the Rams, number one? Because the, the Giants' offensive line is porous, to say the least. Um, and then number two is if, if this is the backup bowl and Barkley's out and, and you know, Dimes is out and the receivers, uh, Galladay's out. So it's a preseason game against that defense. And that defense has been underachieving severely. And they are on their asses. And, and like, you can't have Jalen Ramsey and Donald and Floyd and the kind of playmakers they have on that defense and be ranked like 27th when they were ranked first last year. So I think that the Rams, and remember, they played on Thursday night last week. They've had 10 days to get ready for this game. And healthy. They're ultra healthy. If this was a short week and they were coming off a Monday nighter, I'd probably be like, okay, I think the Giants will play them tough, but I think the Rams are going to go in there, and I don't, I don't see how they can go in there and allow the Giants to hang with them. The defense for the Giants will play hard, and they'll force a couple field goals when they should have been touchdowns, but this, I think this is one of the ass kickings of the weekend, to be honest with you. It, we all agree that this would yeah. be the one that we're probably all going to take. So the uh, Giants will probably win and staff will get hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. Tra- trap game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob, the Bills are five and a half point favorites in Nashville against the Titans this weekend. The over under in this game is 54. All right. I'm going with another road team, guys. Uh, but first, uh, w- reacting what Chez just did, I think the over is a great bet um, for starters. Uh, I think the Bills are the best team in the NFL um, on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen is playing lights out. I mean, they are – the Bills have the number one offense in the NFL. The Titans have the 21st-ranked defense in the NFL. And the Bills have put up a ton of points. And I just think Josh Allen is too good. They are in sync. Emmanuel Sanders is playing out of his mind right now. They have a great connection. Um, I know the Titans have guys on offense. Derrick Henry, yeah, tell me about it all you want. That's great. Can they score enough points to keep up with the Bills? And to keep it that close. I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's five and a half. I think the bills win easily by a touchdown. Uh, um, I mean, if you, if you guys are seeing something, I'm not, I, I just think the bills are really damn good. I think they're the best team in the league right now. And and I, I've got to agree with you that Buffalo is easily the best team in the AFC, if not the NFL. Um, and good for Buffalo, man. I mean, that, that, yeah. I can't sit here and act like I'm, I can spike Buffalo. They went to four straight Super Bowls. That fan base has been through hell. But if you can imagine, like, Cleveland and Buffalo in the AFC title game, two fan bases <laughs> are just sitting there like, please fucking win. But I just – I look at Buffalo and everything, and they dismantled Kansas City, guys. Yes. They didn't just beat Kansas City. They didn't get lucky. They fucking ran Kansas City. And without the, the lightning delay and weather delay, I think that they – would have just blown the doors off of them. That helped Kansas City, and they still look like shit after it. So, I uh, this game is, is interesting because Tennessee is going to take everything personal. I watched Tennessee go to Seattle early in the year and fall behind and come roaring back. Derrick Henry, I will talk to you about it, is real, but you can you can stop Derrick Henry. You can scheme eight men in the box and play good key read and play double teams the right way and read your fucking keys and stop Derrick Henry. You can't. Especially when your two lead wide receivers are banged up yeah. and you don't really have anyone yeah. to go to in the passing game. Exactly. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if last year when Tennessee went to Green Bay, Ryan Tannehill ran for like 120 yards in the game, had like a 70-yard uh, zone read keeper. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him running the ball a lot in this game, trying to open up the inside for Derrick Henry because they're going to be stacking the fucking box so hard, Buffalo is. Um, that's number one. Number two, you can't scheme Josh Allen to beat him. You can not You can take away Stephon Diggs while he just got Emmanuel Sanders, who's playing better than Diggs. Everybody's taking away Stephon Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns in, like, two of the last three games. Dalton uh, knocks the tight end as an elite playmaker and a good block with the point of attack. And their offensive line is pretty good, and Allen makes them look so good, bro. If you want to know why I love John Elway so much, 
watch Josh Allen. Because if Elway played in today's NFL, he'd be Josh Allen. Could you, could you imagine if the – since we are the armchair donkeys, if the donkeys wouldn't didn't pass on Josh Allen? I mean, I like Bradley Chubb as a pass rusher and shit. We had fucking Von Miller. Who, who did who did they take instead of Allen? Uh, they took Bradley Chubb. Bradley, Bradley Chubb. Chubb? This year, and they probably won't pick up his option. I look. And I, I don't even I don't even know who Bradley Chubb is. He's, a, <laughs> he's an all pro. First team all pro defense at last year for the Broncos. No one can't play. He can play. He's a baller. Josh Allen is a once-in-a-lifetime Jim Kelly, John Elway type player. So Buffalo hit fucking gold again with another draft pick. Same, they did, same thing they did with Jim Kelly. And they're going to be good for the next 15 years because of it, if not longer. So the, what pisses me off more about the Josh Allen thing is the Broncos didn't try and go get Trubiscuits, who I think is going to be rehabbed under Dable and and that, that system up there and go next year and play well for somebody probably. So the Broncos – consistently pass on quarterbacks. They could have drafted Dak. They could have drafted Russell Wilson. They could have drafted fucking Josh Allen. They could have drafted Lamar Jackson. They could have drafted – I mean, this list is not short. So the fact that they never take anybody and they just keep recycling the, the next asshole is why they suck. And, and Josh Allen's up the road in Wyoming, so you think that they might be able to get somebody up there to get some eyes on that guy. Well, you uh, think that if, if they can – look, this is one thing I always wonder about Colorado, University of. Since we can't find a quarterback since Rantler over here, okay? Cephal was pretty good, but not you. But we can't find one since Bob Clatt, and then there's a huge gap in Cephal, in my opinion. Okay, I know Cody Hawkins threw for a bunch of yards when your daddy's the coach and you're getting and everything's a three-win season. You're, you're always behind. You're going to throw for a ton of yards. Good for you. I'm talking about leadership and quarterback play. The fact that Colorado doesn't just look at like who's recruiting the second tier player at Boise State or Wyoming or so on and so forth and just go fucking purge them, I never understand. I never understand it. I don't understand it. So, just saying, he would have looked good in black and gold. God damn. Uh, moving on here, Chez, you got the Chargers plus three at the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. The over under in this game is fifty one and a half. Over again. Like I- I'm probably gonna parlay at least four or five overs together and feel pretty damn confident all of them are going to hit. Baltimore's defense is good, not great. They give up a ton of plays, but they're also extremely opportunistic and aggressive, which allows for more opportunity for the outstanding Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson has more yards this year individually than 19, 18 or 19 of the NFL teams uh, as a whole. Um, I think that guy is absolutely changing the way the quarterback position is played. But I also don't think you're going to find anybody that can do what he does again. So he can change the way the position's played, but you're never going to find another one like him. So the kind of like, it's kind of just, he's a, the enigma and it's awesome. Uh, Herbert. I mean, how long, how long do you think he's going to be able to keep playing at that level before he, I mean, the way that he plays the game is a is, is, is a risky way to play that position. He'll, he'll be fine, bro. The NFL is soft as baby shit these days. <laughs> He's not taking fucking, you know, down Broad Street in the back between the shoulder blades helmet first hits. He's not getting hit in the fucking chin and driven into the ground. He's not having Larry Triplett crawl on his ass for an entire afternoon again. <laughs> Let's be real. The, the NFL is set up for these guys to play forever. And then he needs to run out of bounds more, but I love the way he plays court. I love that he finishes on safeties and corners and linebackers the way he does. It sets the tone for his football team. So I love the way Baltimore plays. The Monday night game was so much fun. It was so much fun. And the fact that he can't score on the goal line really pisses me off. You were talking about your bets. I had, so I took Baltimore money line on one bet, Baltimore money line over, both those hit, obviously. And then I took Jonathan Taylor and Lamar Jackson to score. That was an $8,000 payout. And then on the other side, I thought the Colts were playing really tough, so I took the Colts plus seven over Lamar Jackson and Jonathan Taylor to score, and he didn't score on the goal line twice. And that one would have paid out of 10, so it would have hit 18 grand on Monday night. And I didn't send it to you on purpose. I didn't want you to fucking jinx me, and I still got (laughs) So... So I just think that if we talk about both teams realistically here, I think this could easily be a playoff matchup too. So this game is for a for maybe who hosts the other one in the playoffs. 
there's only one buy in the AFC and NFC now these days, and I would assume, judging by what I've seen, that Buffalo gets that buy. So the question is, do you want, you know, if the char- the Chargers win the West or do the Chiefs win the West? I don't think Kansas City's going to be bad all year. Chargers already beat them in Arrowhead. And you look at the, the North division, that's going to come down to Cleveland and Baltimore, in my opinion. Pittsburgh got a big win, but they're not any good. And I think Cincinnati's on the up, but they won't be a playoff team. So this, this is a playoff game, in my opinion. This is a game where you go, okay, we may have to now go to their house after the wild card week because we lost in week six. So Justin Herbert has matched every challenge thrown at him, but they haven't played Baltimore yet. And they look, Cleveland can run the ball just like Baltimore can. Not the same scheme, but the same time of possession numbers. At the same time, though, I think Baltimore is a little bit better defensively from a technique standpoint. Cleveland was doing dumbass shit last week and letting guys just run wide-ass open all over the field. Coach Wink, I know Coach Wink, he was the defensive coordinator and linebacker coach when I was with the Broncos, and he will bring the fucking house. He is not afraid to try and confuse you. So we'll see if that offensive line for the Chargers can hold up against that. But I think this is another one of those Herbert and Jackson are going to literally try and match each other all game. The only difference in this is the Chargers are healthy and the Ravens aren't. And eventually the Ravens and their lack of experience because of the amount of injuries, it hasn't really bit them yet. It hasn't. Even in their loss at the Raiders, that was an overtime Monday night, you know, and the Raiders came back. I don't think it's bit them yet that they have so many guys out. So eventually that's going to be a problem. They lost another offensive lineman the other night. So eventually I, that, I think I, that – I think that problem starts this week. I thought it was going to be on Monday. I'm running it back. I like the Chargers getting three and plus 135 on the money line. I think that's I, a coin flip. I hate three points. I hate that number. Hate getting it or giving it? No, I hate it either way. I don't like yeah. it. So, I don't so like you, three. I don't like you, three and a half. Anything under three and a half, and I'm pretty much staying away from that game on, on a point standpoint. I'll who wins? Who wins, Chaz? Or over under. Um, it's in Baltimore. Yep. Ah, shit, man. I think that Baltimore's luck is up. I think the Chargers go on the road and win, honestly. They, the Baltimore Rob? was lucky as 66 yards, Justin Tucker in Detroit. They hammered the Broncos. Good for them. And that Colt game, I mean, come on, dog. They got lucky as shit. They were yeah. super fucking lucky in that game. Missed yeah. field goals, huge comebacks. And look, two two point conversions. I got fucked in that game. All those plays, <laughs> at least all those plays were made. I think we really need to figure out, and I don't know how we do this. I don't know if there's a, a like a site that ranks the refs or tells you which crew is on which game and how many holding penalties and personal fouls and fucking roughing the quarterback penalties they call. Look, I, I'm all for a safer game. I am not for a soft game that's being dictated by refs. And they're just – their ability to control the momentum is huge. And and I think they've made these these like these penalty calls so up in the air. Like we don't really know what is what. You could call personal fouls, rocking the pass on a sack. What the fuck are we talking? What are you talking about? Like I'm trying to get him down any way I can. That's Lamar Jackson or or Baker Mayfield or Justin Herbert. Like that's a baller. Josh Allen, I got to get his ass down. I can't be worrying about how I'm doing it. I don't care if I'm going to grab his balls or spit in his ear. I'm trying to get that motherfucker down. So that I don't, I just don't think – I don't see how after playing defense as long as they did and playing it in the NFL and then moving to offense, I don't know how you play defense 100 miles an hour until you're about to tattoo this motherfucker and then be like, oh, do this nicely and un- like without it, my helmet. It, it, and, and when they put it in TV. slow motion on TV, it, they exactly. make it look like it's so yeah, easy it's to stop yourself and tackle them properly. I got to figure out a way to like start evaluating the refs as much as I evaluate both teams and, to, and like really dive into the numbers on that front because it, sometimes it just depends on what crew you get, bro. If that crew wasn't doing that game Monday night, there's no way Baltimore comes back. They had at least four penalties that were 100% the reason they score touchdowns on those drives. Close games. That's what I'm saying. They want the close games. All right, we've got Chiefs minus seven in Washington. The over-under in this game is 55. I know we've talked about it, but you made the Super Bowl two years in a row and you replaced your entire O-line in the offseason 
running game along with the tight end are the quarterback's best friends. Edwards Alaire out a couple weeks with an MCL, although I don't think that's a huge loss. The guy hasn't been a threat yet this year as the Chiefs running game is non-existent. You know, hypothetical question for you guys. The Chiefs need help on defense. Why do you go out and get a guy like Josh Gordon? Can I mean, can the guy play safety? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think they need help at wide receiver. The Kansas City front office seems to be lost this year. You know, they could have made a play for Rip Richard Sherman to help in that secondary. I don't know. Maybe they did, and Brady was just a better salesman. I, I was going to say no way the Chiefs drop another one, but – you know, they're not good enough on defense right now and are too one-dimensional on offense to be given anyone seven points on the road. And for that reason, I'm taking Washington plus seven in this game. Go, Bob. Um, this is a game that I would – for me, I, I just don't feel comfortable even touching. Um, run away from this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, in regards to Josh Gordon, who knows? I mean, maybe nobody else even wanted his ass and they just fell in – Kansas City's lap you know what I mean but um I think this I just don't feel good about this game either way um you know obviously Kansas City hasn't performed the way they should but who knows what the hell Washington team's going to show up so uh, yeah I, I, I'm staying away from it that's probably smart <laughs> I, I think look I think number one the fact that one team was named the Redskins and had to change their name and the other team was named the Chiefs and they can do, whoa, in the fucking stadium and no one cares. I'm confused. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, ex I'll explain it to you. The Redskins is like it's talking about the skin color where Chiefs is the, the leader of a tribe. And that could be any uh, Native American tribe. All right. Walk up to some random Native American and be like, what's up, Chief? And see how it goes. <laughs> if somebody calls, if somebody calls me chief, I'm not happy with it. There's nothing nothing I hate more than be calling chief and guy. Hey, guy, how you doing, guy? So your cracker ass hates getting called chief. I can only imagine how a Native American, would, you know, would feel if your dumb ass walked up. And you're like, what's up, chief? He'd be like, motherfucker. So I'm just saying that that's a little bit of a little little hypocrisy there. Number one, uh, number two, Taylor Heineke. The, the Washington quarterback, that kid is a ball player now. He, he is. He, he is he is not effing around. The defense is severely underperformed uh, for Washington, whereas Kansas City's defense is non-existent. I love after the game when they were getting torched by Buffalo, there's like three or four memes of Tyron Matthau just like this while his guys are getting torched in the back end. Um, Washington's problem is not being able to be in games. They've been in every game they played. Washington's problem is – their entire franchise is a dumpster fire. Like if, if I'm Washington, okay, and I know that Redskin faithful and now the football team faithful don't want to hear this, but I, if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm 100% getting rid of Dan Schneider any way humanly possible. That guy's got to go, especially with the Gruden and Bruce Allen bullshit and the, the trainer giving people pain pills that didn't need them for as long as he was and the, sexual you know harassment and all the shit that they do with their cheerleaders i told this this story earlier today on mcchesney unchained on dmvr my, my podcast but I, when i played against washington back in the day you would walk out of the visitor locker room and walk into fedex and fedex is huge and the entire time you're walking down the aisle okay to get to the stadium and get to the field every redskins cheerleader is ass up titties out on the left as you walk down no bullshit like full split stretching and you're walking by and it's like one of the few times in my life i'm glad i couldn't see left so i was like focus 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 ass and titties ass and titties football 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 ass and titties ass and titties and like that shit ain't cool that ain't gonna fucking fly and i doubt they do it anymore but this is exactly what i'm talking about with the entire culture of the organization so i think that the players there know that it's a shit show and you can tell that I think even Ron Rivera knows that it's a shit show. I mean, it, everybody knows. And I, if I'm them, if I'm Washington, they need to move. They need to uproot Washington and move it to another city, get a completely different color palette, and totally eradicate what they had there in Washington and just absolutely start over. Uh, 
in, in order for them to be what they once were. And, you know, the Redskins were a proud franchise for a long time. So the hypocrisy of this game, number one, is the first reason why I would stay away from it. Bob, you got the Cowboys minus four at the Patriots on Sunday. Over under in this one is 51. All right, guys. Again, I'm going to take my fourth road team of the weekend here. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Cowboys as well. Uh, their offense, the way Dak is playing. You know, I actually kind of like the over on this at the moment, too. I think there's going to be a good amount of points scored in this football game. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of you got a rookie QB going against a guy, Trayvon Diggs, who's playing out of his mind, who has six interceptions already. Um, look for a mistake to be made there at some point in time. And again, this is another game. I feel like I'm a broken record. I just don't think the Patriots can score enough points to keep it within four or five with this Cowboys offense, even though they're on the road. I just think Cowboys are playing too well. Dak is playing too well. That And the Patriots are just they're kind of lost right now. And, um, you know, they I think they're still the hangover of Brady. And, yeah, they got their rookie quarterback. But, you know, they're not ready to make a run in the NFL right now. They're just trying to get by. So with that being said, I like the Cowboys on the road to, to cover because just because their offense is too damn good. I agree with Bob 100%. I think the Cowboys 100% win this game. Uh, I put it like this. With New England, I think that if Bill Belichick wasn't their coach, if he resigned or retired, you know, last year when Brady left, I think they would have been projected to win four games. And the fact that he was their coach, they were projected to win like 10 or 11 and, almost, you know, like be a wild card team behind Buffalo. So, what, no, no one's saying New England doesn't play hard. They've got some good players. But Mac Jones is a rookie, and for as good as he's playing, their run game is non-existent because Tom Brady's not up there counting the box and changing the run play every single time to put them in a better position. Mac hasn't figured that out, although he's pretty good reading coverage and delivering the football. So his growth will, will get them better. I just doubt Belichick's the guy moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if McDaniels is there eventually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bill's done after this year, honestly. He's been there for a long time. I think he can read the tea leaves. The last thing he wants with all the narrative surrounding was it him or Tom Brady is for him to have another shitty year on top of another shitty year on top of another shitty year because it just hurts him. So I think he'll walk away eventually and just go into Canton and go on his boat and be a dick because um, that's what he is. And then if you look at the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy and his system is working for Dak. Their defense is playing out of their minds, but they will come down to earth. We're already starting to see people are now getting tendencies. They're getting tape. It's not like back in the day where the starters played in the preseason for three games and you could really study people and get tendencies by week two or three. You got to wait till sometimes week seven or eight in the NFL to actually get tendency books on everybody and figure out what they're doing on third down and short, long, so on and so forth. So the, the book's still open on Dallas. They're doing a lot of stuff. They've got weapons everywhere. And how, how is the spread only four points on this game. This is what I'm talking about with low spreads. With three, it, it feels like a trap game to me because well, four points. Any look, you could think that somehow it's a Belichick effect, Doug. That's yeah. all it is. It's it's people thinking that somehow Kellen Moore and his offense is going to go into New England and just because they have Bill Belichick, he's going to scheme up some shit to stop him. They stopped Tom Brady. That was an emotional. Look, look, there's there's not enough Adderall on the planet for Steve Belichick to figure out how to slow down this Cowboys offense. Steve Belichick ain't doing shit. Steve yeah. Belichick is calling what daddy tells him to do. <laughs> Steve Belichick is sitting there being like, 30 more blow at halftime? <laughs> oh, hey, but, hey, but hey. For, for real, though, just like you said, as tape comes out on the Cowboys, right, it's a flip side as well. Like, Mac Jones has shown some good things, but teams are now being able to scheme against what he does well, too. So, as he will get better, the defense is playing against him will get better, too, because they will know how to slow him down and, and, and put him in tough situations as a rookie. And, look, the Cowboys are another one of these teams – where it's better, the NFL's just better when the Cowboys are good, man. Yeah. Like, so many people hate them, but so many people love them. And, you know, just – I feel like they're the defensive scheme that they've instituted down there and just trying to not beat themselves 
They bought into it. Trayvon Diggs is the defensive player of the year right now, hands down. If he continues on this pace, it'll be one of the great years by DB in history. He, he, you know, I'm not going to say anybody ever reminds me of Deion Sanders because it's just it's almost blasphemy. But the way that he's moving out there and how physical he is, like Deion wouldn't tackle. Deion wouldn't tackle his contract if he could get away with it. So Diggs is not afraid to stick his nose in there. And as long as he stays healthy, they get back. Uh, the the well, Dexter Lawrence, their defensive end, he's been out for a while. When he comes back healthy, think about this. They're good enough on defense in Dallas now to cut Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith went to the Packers last week and had like 10 tackles, <laughs> and three TFLs, and a pick. And they were just like, yeah, we don't need his ass cut him. So if you're that good on defense and you have that kind of personnel, I got to think that Dallas might be real this year, man. I'm real enough to get to the playoffs and lose, but still real. They'll be great during the regular season. Yeah, they'll fuck it up in the playoffs, guarantee. Chez, close us out, baby. The grand finale. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about this one. The John Grudenless Raiders are plus four at your Denver Broncos. The over-under in this game is 44 and a half. So, look, I – the Gruden situation is sad. It, it makes me sad. It's just to think that, that a guy like that that was a figurehead in the NFL, regardless if he's a good coach now with the Raiders or not, he took over a dumpster fire, is now resigned and, and you know, he should be. I mean, he's he pulled the trifecta of, like, bigotry. So that's you're going to lose your job with that. I'm not defending him. I'm saying it's just a sad situation all the way around to think that the NFL is headed this way and to find out that it's still, you know, dipping down into the dirt and the muck. And, look, we've all been talked to by coaches where we – all of us have sat there and been like, dude, if, it was, if we were on the street and you said this shit to me, you would have no teeth. And we're all a bunch of white guys. So I can only white straight guys. So I can only imagine what it's like as a minority or a gay, gay football player or something like that to have to sit there and know that your head coach is a prick and he has these feelings about you for real. And, you know, he's putting up a front, which is essentially what it is. So I don't think that you can sit here and say that the Raiders aren't going to be emotionally affected by this. They're going to, they're emotionally crushed by this. Derek Carr, David Carr, whichever fucking one it is. He, he's got to be hammered by this. The play, you know, think about the defensive end, uh, uh, Nazem, who's Nassib, the first yeah. openly gay football player, to, and he's a starter. He's got multiple sacks. Think about how confused that cat is. But I, I just – I look at it like this. The Broncos offense, Patty Boy and Vic, are like two peas in a pot, okay? Offensively, the Broncos are the most predictable offense I've ever seen. They, are, they have the most third and eights in the NFL, which does not bode well when you have fucking Nazib and Crosby coming after your ass on, on, for the Raiders. They're down two of their best players in, in the wide receiver core, and they're running more three wide out of, uh, out of their offense, being down two players in Hamler and, and Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton, Sutton has been extremely underwhelming, coming off an, another ACL injury. The defense last week, when I watched Von Miller – Walk out on Clay Clay Claypool, whatever his name is. Chase Claypool, sorry. That was a dyslexia right there. Walk out on that guy, stacked by Justin Simmons, and he's chasing him across the field, and everyone's like, oh, it's a zone. And I'm like, you can't run through on zone, idiots. What are you talking about? It's man coverage, and Vaughn is man covered on this guy. And then then Vic's explanation for it is, well, anybody can cover anybody in zone. So Shelby fucking Harris, the nose tackle, can cover the back on pitch peel and zone coverage. I just I feel like the Broncos are in a situation where they are being ran into the ground by the offensive coordinator's inaptability to fuck everything up and look terrible, and the the head coach defensive coordinator's innate ability to to not have any creativity in his defensive scheme whatsoever to run the same shit over and over again and have the highest paid defense in football play that fucking terrible against two good football teams back to back. Pittsburgh's not great, but they're better than the first three opponents that Denver beat. I think the Raiders come to Denver and win. And I understand that Broncos country doesn't want to hear it, but the only way we get rid of Vic Fangio and fucking Patty boys for shit, they go nuclear and bad. And I look, they got, Cleveland next week on Thursday night in Cleveland. That Cleveland is going to destroy Denver. 
So I think this, I think that the, the flip side happens with the Raiders. I think they come in here super motivated. I think Carr plays his ass off. I think they get physical in the offensive line. Josh Jacobs runs downhill based on what I saw last week with the number 32 ranked rushing offense in football on from Pittsburgh that just annihilated Denver up front. Najee Harris on 147 fucking yards. If that's what if that's the tape they're watching, Oakland or Oakland, Las Vegas is way better on the run game than Pittsburgh is. And they've got real shot hitters over their head. And what's Denver been struggling with the most the last two weeks? Hollywood Brown going over the top, Deontay Johnson going over the top, not being able to communicate anything they're doing defensively in coverage. So I think the Raiders come in here super motivated, even though they had their their prick asshole coach is gone. He he's not playing a fucking down, bro. So I, I'm just saying, like everybody just assuming that the Raiders are going to somehow be too emotionally distracted. That is the that I think is, that was last weekend. What's well, ridiculous? It's ridiculous. The the distraction's gone. Homeboy's out of here. Like yeah. that, that was Let's last weekend's game here. against the Bears. The only people that are saying that narrative are the are the folks in Denver that are pulling for their team to beat the Raiders. So I'm looking at this. Well, I played for the Broncos. I don't like the Raiders none too much. Although I used to love them when I was a kid. Now it's a business to me. Football's a business. That's what we're doing here on Armchair Donkeys. We're giving people the opportunity to actually put their fandom aside with the exception of Colorado with us, of course, and and bet correctly. And I think that this – I don't know. What's the number on this, Bo? The uh, spread on this is four, I believe. So that's another fucking four and three and a half. Raiders, Raiders are plus four. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, the Raider, the Broncos – the Broncos are home underdogs? What? No, no, no. The Raiders no, no, are no. plus four. That's okay. Sorry. Um, what's the over-under? 44 and a half. I probably take the under on this game, dude. Just I, the the Raiders defensively are much better. They can really attack the passer. The Broncos' offense is inept and not scary at all. Uh, and the Broncos are are routinely beating themselves. And I think the Raiders are going to be extremely motivated to change the narrative. And honestly, if the Broncos do lose this game, I would straight Tom Hanks and in, in, uh, in Tropic Thunder. Just scorched earth, motherfucker, and just everything just <laughs> lighted on fire, and let's see what happens. Was Tom Hanks in Tropic Thunder? <laughs> no. Tom no. Hanks. <laughs> Listen, all I can <laughs> say about this game is, I will massacre you! And then he's just blown over his shoulder. He's like, find out who that was. <laughs> that's like sneakily one of the funniest movies ever made. Yeah, that's like John. That was a hypothetical John Gruden movement where he was yeah. like, hey, who is this? Who's, yeah. yeah, doesn't give a fuck. Flaming dragon, fuck face. I run south this giant motherfucker. <laughs> I will massacre you. Find out who that was. That was John Gruden right there. <laughs> Listen, all I can say about this game is Gruden should have hired Hillary's PR guy. And with that, I'm going to wipe my hard drive clean. <laughs> yeah. <What>? Everyone, <laughs> go scrub your hard drive. <laughs> Play smart, and let's take down some books this weekend. My donkey friends, please give us a follow at Armchair Donkeys for our weekly plays in real time, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to keep up to date with our episodes. Buena suerte, friends. Go Later, boys. Peace.